0: Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, a podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. Hello, everyone. Continuing on from our very first episode with Mr. David Marena in Boucanville, Papua New Guinea, we are now going to head to the island nation of Vanuatu. In this episode, we are going to discuss the impact of COVID 19 and the recent Tropical Cyclone Herald on the young people in Vanuatu during this time and what they're doing to help out with the aftermath of the tropical cyclone. The tiny nation island of Vanuatu has been hit by one of the strongest hurricanes ever to be recorded in the Southwest Pacific, leaving the government of Vanuatu no choice but to suspend coronavirus social distancing measures for evacuees. Amongst the coronavirus pandemic, now reaching 185 countries around the world, and infecting more than 2 million people, the country of Vanuatu is one of the very few countries with no confirmed cases of COVID-19. However, it has not been spared from the recent Category 5 storm leaving behind a trail of damage when it struck almost two weeks ago today. Nearly 160,000 of the nation's 300,000 residents were impacted in some of the badly battered islands leaving 80 to 90% of the population without homes. To prevent the coronavirus from being brought to Vanuatu, officials have banned foreign aid workers from entering the country to help. This is an internally-run response. We need to work together. The country's National Disaster Management Office, NDMO, has noted on their Facebook page. We are thankful to have Ms. Joanna Bullitt here with us today, who will be able to shed some light on what and how young people in Vanuatu are doing to help rebuild and her view as a young person or leader during this difficult time. Joanna is a program manager for Melanesia based in Port Vila, the capital city of Vanuatu. She's also a community development manager for waste management with World Vision Vanuatu and the president for the Friends of the Nation Youth. Welcome to The Mat. I'm your host for today, Dr. Mere Tarisovic. Welcome.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Joanna Boule, and um, I'm a member of uh, Melanesian Women today. I work as a volunteer, um, yeah as a program manager, and I'm also a member uh, of uh, Friends of the Nation Youth, and I worked as a development as well as I work, I mean, yeah, I work and I'm also working as the development manager for a waste pro- waste management project with Wolffish in Vanuatu.
0: As the program manager for Melanesian Women Today, team member of Friends of the Nation Youth, as well as the community development manager for World Vision Vanuatu, you have a lot on your plate. So thank you again for your time with us today. Friends of the Nation Youth is a program under the umbrella of Melanesian Women Today as we know it. Before we dive into a conversation, first tell us a little bit about Friends of the Nation Youth and help our listeners understand who they are and what they do, and look at the roles of young people during this critical time of rebuilding.
1: In Friends of the Nation is um, a group of young people. Uh, we have like a different uh, age group. We have students from uh, high schools, we have university students, and uh, even we have uh, young uh, people that are uh, work, uh, have just graduated and are working with uh, some of our Um, ministries and departments here in uh, Vanuatu. And uh, this group of young people, um, they have this mission where they want to set up uh, libraries across the islands of uh, Vanuatu, especially when, like, Vanuatu, we have a very uh, low uh, literacy. So we are trying to um, set up libraries and uh, uh, try to help... uh, Young children or even uh, people adults uh, to uh, read. Uh. so it's uh, uh it's an idea that we have uh, just started uh, We it's uh we started it in uh, two thousand and ten we start uh, thinking about this and uh, we are looking forward to uh Start this program. Even we have uh, done some uh, works around that. Like we meet with all the uh, respective uh, areas in terms of uh, libraries uh, um, here in uh, Vanuatu, like Vanuatu Library Association, National Library Archives. To we meet with them. Even the Sheva Province, we meet with them. Education. Obvious. We meet with them and talk to them about this idea, and like they, um, they're happy to help us. So we are looking forward to, um, start implementing this uh, project. Yeah.
0: You not only work as a librarian with ten years under your belt, but also have experience in Wash field with your work with World Vision Vanuatu. This, tell us a little bit about what your experience with wash um, was is like, or was like. Um, wash, for those who are listening, is water, sanitation, and hygiene.
1: Okay, I started working with bullfishing in 2016. So I work as the as the uh, Vanuatu Community Health uh, Development Facilitator. So part of my job uh, was to uh, give, provide information, especially to do with hygiene uh, to communities. And we started in Pentecost Island. Then in 2017, I was start, uh, I started working uh, with this uh, WASH project. So WASH is a hygiene, uh, sanit- water, yeah, hygiene, sanitation. Uh, sorry, it's water, hygiene and sanitation. So um, sanitation and hygiene, yeah. And... Um, uh, part of our project is to uh, construct a, a big uh, water system. It's a 44-kilometer water system. It's uh, it's a very challenging project. Uh, however, we've uh, uh, we tried our best to get the water into 13 communities in uh, uh, one of the islands in Vanuatu. It's uh, the Mil- Malo Island, uh, yeah, Malo Island. So uh, we. We provide them with information, uh, uh, hygiene information, as in um, how to use the water, uh, water safely. Um, uh, how t- uh, uh, Also, we help them to construct um, <clears throat> toilets and set up hand washing stations outside the toilets. Uh, we, uh, uh, Yeah, it's to do with the uh, water and uh, hygiene. So time washing practice getting them to use uh, water safely, how to manage the water. And uh, yeah, that's it.
0: In addition to your experience with Wash, how has your experience with your current position as a community development manager for waste management help you and your team to be more effective during this time of COVID-19 and uh, the aftermath of uh, Tropical Cyclone Herald in the communities that you work with and with the youth that you work with?
1: Okay, so waste management and uh, uh, washes, uh, just uh, uh, like they're quite similar, because in wash we talk about waste management as well. So uh, being part of waste management and, and waste management, uh, we uh, the good thing about it is we we talked about uh, uh, waste management, but at the same time we talked about we train our communities to. Uh, Earn money or make money out uh, of uh, waste materials. So, with this COVID-19 crisis, uh, we try to help our communities to set up packet gardens using waste materials instead of them throwing ties or broken dishes, broken buckets, but they can use it to. to start a small backyard garden. And uh, with that, we also trained them to become uh, a small business entrepreneurs using this uh, RISE model that World Vision has developed. Uh, we call it, uh, it's a resilient, inclusive, and social enterprise. So we trained them to be small business people, business entrepreneurs, and uh, how they can stay resilient uh, through uh, different kind of types of crisis, as we know that like most of us know that Vanuatu uh, is uh, is pro- prone to different kinds of uh, disasters. So uh, with the tropical cyclone Harold and now we are going through this COVID-19 crisis, we try to train our youths and even the people in the community to grow their own gardens using waste. And not only that, they try to make money out from this uh, waste. I mean, these activities. Yeah, yeah.
0: Focusing on the roles of the young people or youth during this pandemic of COVID-19 and after math of Tropical Cyclone Herald, how has the role of young people shifted? How serious have they taken on their roles in their respective communities in address, addressing their concerns and those around them?
1: Okay, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, uh, yesterday I was talking to uh, one of these uh, young um, Leader, she's a she's a one of our youth leader in Santo, and uh, um, the uh, her concern or yeah, what I can see or I can tell from uh, the way she shares her experience was that uh, most of these youths are finding it like this is really a this this is a big challenge for us uh, with COVID nineteen crisis and tropical harold uh cyclone uh cyclone the, yeah um she uh she talks about uh, how we they can uh how they can start over again like i uh, i remember uh our discussion yesterday she told me that uh she was uh after the cyclone she was uh she was um, she felt that uh, uh um, she felt so stressful and I'm feeling that uh, they have to start from zero like most of them lost their homes and uh, with this hygiene uh, COVID-19 crisis, hygiene will be a very a big concern for them because they don't have any water uh, they don't have any water and uh, we still want them to practice that hygiene uh, uh, pract- yes, they, we still want them to practice hygiene so uh, currently she's a uh, requesting us youths here in Villa, Friends of the Nation youths here in Villa, to try to help them in some ways, figure out some ways to support them. So we will be having our first meeting. Uh, All the youths here, you can tell that uh, these young people are concerned about their future. These young people are concerned about uh, what they should do to support others, even though they're going through something, but they try to come up with uh, ways, uh, some ideas to support uh, each other. So she told me yesterday that even though she... uh, she went through this uh, uh, disaster, I mean, this cyclone thing, but she told me that the first thing she can think about was to try to get their house, because uh, uh, they lost their, their, some of the coppers, the iron roofs. So they tried to put back the iron roofs, and well, the first thing that she wants to do was to help other people around them. She wants to go out there and help other uh, people in the communities to try to uh, build um. Uh, themselves or uh, I mean support them uh, emotionally because and um, yeah so these are some of her Uh, concerns for us yeah Uh, yeah because she's uh, one of the youth leader that uh, she's uh, working with the Red Cross she's a volunteer at Red Cross and she's also a volunteer with Friends of the Nation Youth in Santo so she's like, uh, she really wants to help others. I don't know, maybe because of this passion and this desire to see other people in Kutau uh, and other people in, uh, yeah, she wants to see that other people are safe and are healthy to move on in life. So that was her yesterday.
0: There's definitely a concern with the current situation among the young people in the country, not only with the impact of COVID-19 and the aftermath of um, TC Herald, but also about their future. It is important that we as a nation um, need to turn our attention and value the roles of young people in the country and help encourage them to grow to be better leaders for tomorrow. In your view, as a young leader yourself and taking on a lot of responsibilities already, what does a young leader look like
1: okay as a a young leader is someone who uh carries for me it's someone who carries the heart of his or her nation someone who is who has the passion to see the change in uh, communities or who would want to make a difference so when i'm um uh, uh, making a difference doesn't mean that uh, Uh, that particular person or that particular leader needs to create something big that will uh, cause a change. No, uh, they can start small. I will give you an illustration here. Remember when a stone is thrown into a water, you will see it ripples across the water. So for me, it's like for a leader, um, being a leader is to inspire others uh, to make a change. A small impact can uh, one day make a big impact as it ripples uh, across the nation. So for a young leader is someone who is respectful, someone who uh, is humble and carries him or herself with uh, grace and uh, uh, someone who, um, yeah, carries himself with uh, who is humble and respectful, which is some of the leadership quality that uh, we need in uh, a young person or a leader. And uh, uh, for me, I would say, uh, I would like to see a person who has the uh, passion uh, to, uh, make, yeah, I'm repeating myself to make a difference, but uh, this has to be done with uh, uh, humbleness and uh, also being uh, that person has to do uh, or make a difference, but do it genuinely. Because uh, nowadays we see people trying to make a difference, but uh, for fame and yeah. But we want people who have the passion, who have the courage the heart for their nation. And when they do it, they do it genuinely. That is something that I want to see in a young leader.
0: What are some challenges for young community leaders who are trying to make a difference in their communities?
1: Yeah, I do see that in uh, some of our communities because uh, in some communities where I worked with, where uh, young people will, uh, like in that community, they will, if we ask them to um, appoint like elect, elect a leader, and they have this particular person, they will uh, elect that person, but then, uh, after a period of time, uh, we will st- see that person or that leader, uh, he, will, like, he will perform at his own interest, uh, not the interest of the youths, And the youth started to lose interest. And that is the time when it will be very difficult to get them together because they start to see that that particular person is doing something for his, for his or her own interest. So that is something that I am very cautious with. Uh, whenever I get into a community, or whenever I s- or start to work with a community, I ask the community or the youth leaders to make sure that whoever that they elect, uh, they elect there yeah. They elected should be a person that um, uh, has the passion to do this particular task, and who has the uh, Uh, I I always use this word they should have the the heart for their community so that means they see their communities they see the needs in their communities and they want to help their communities in a way that others will be others will be like they will benefit from it I don't want it to be something that at its own interest so I've seen yeah, I've seen this in so many communities that we worked with. So um, many of these young people try their best to find uh, leaders that are, they do their job genuinely.
0: With the new reality that we find ourselves in, COVID-19 and rebuilding lives after COVID, uh, Tropical cyclone Herald, how has this new reality pushed the young people to step forward and step up to the plate and take on the challenge to be responsible young leaders for their communities.
1: Okay, that is a really good question. <laughs> yeah, um, for now, I've seen uh, uh, I have seen some leaders coming out. Uh, I've seen that, uh, like in uh, my community or the place where the church where I, will, I am part of, uh, I see this because we have. Um, uh, friends of the Nation in different parts of the islands of Vanuatu especially in the Panama province and uh, Sanma province and Sheba province. So, uh, uh, at uh, one time, we uh, it's hard to get them to uh, speak out their minds. Uh, but uh, lately, I, I remember it was like yesterday. No, not yesterday. The day before yesterday, I saw a message uh, someone send out a message and ask if we can all meet together and discuss this. So this is a step. For me, that's a step, like uh, they're starting to show their uh, concern. They, uh, they ask me if, uh, or they, they ask, not really me, but they ask everyone to meet up together uh, so we can start discussing what we can do to support uh, uh, those who are affected by six A TC Haro also. For me, that is a step to seeing that this person uh, has seen the need and uh, has taken the first step to uh, send out a message for everyone to come in and meet and discuss something. So it's uh, that is uh, uh, that is something that uh, I would uh, want to see because I don't. Uh, it's just that the, I don't want them to depend on one person, but for them to come out and speak out their mind. And then we can come, like sit together and talk about this. So uh, this is, uh, and for that person, I can tell that he is someone who carries like, uh, um, who carries this passion and he has been doing this quite some times. In some, uh, in some other communities, but in a low profile. But to see him come out, this, to, yeah, in a big, like he steps out out from his com- comfortable shoes to express his uh, uh, concern is, uh, this is something that I'm glad to hear. So, yeah. And then as well as this, uh, lay, I mean, this youth, these young women that I spoke to yesterday, she was also the one of the young leader that uh, I can tell that uh, she has the passion to work with people, even though she's going through something, but she, that doesn't stop her to help others. So this is something I see in that I'm seeing it uh, from uh, like most of these youths uh, that I'm working with. So I think we are s- moving towards a good. Uh, Oh, a pride of future, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah.
0: There is certainly a national pride in the midst of this chaos of a time that Vanuatu is is going through. And it is a lot to take on. However, there something, there is something, something has to be said about the past experience with external help from AIDS coming from our neighboring countries, especially during, during tropical cyclone, Pam, in, 2015. The NDMO obviously has taken on a huge responsibilities and others um, like young people such as the Friends of the the Nation youth, churches, communities and countries um, and people around the country and those living overseas who are reaching out to help through donation. With the border restriction because of the concern of spreading COVID-19 in the country since we don't have any positive case yet in Vanuatu. Um, Vanuatu basically has left alone to tackle this huge undertaking, um, this responsibility. It seems like this this chaos has somewhat elevated a new set of mindset and responsibility for young Vanuatu to step up and show the world what they're made of, made of, with the limited resources we have. As a young leader in your community, working with your church, your current job, and youth around the country, how has the past experience prepared you to be to be prepared for the, this new challenge in front of you?
1: Okay. Um. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say uh, Cyclone Palm has has uh, get, like we have learned a lot from Cyclone Palm, so it's a step up for us. As. as Tropical Cyclone Harold has um, impacted a lot. However, uh, for us Nifans, I think um, most of us we can most of us can uh, do that job. Uh, and uh, also is that uh, we another thing is that uh, uh, because of this COVID nineteen, I would prefer for us to keep this in our Circle. We've learned a lot from uh, uh, cyclone pumps. so I'm sure that uh, most of these young people or uh, these uh, Nivans, uh, they can grow from that experience and uh, move up to another uh, level in um, their respectful area or another level in life or in their jobs. Uh, they know what to do. Uh, they, As long as we have people there to direct us, to advise us. Uh, but then I, with that, with the past experience, I am sure uh, they can never um, not again uh, do that job. Um, yeah, I am hoping that I am answering this correctly, but I think uh, we can do that. Uh, Sacramento Palm has uh, given us uh, a lot, like we, each disaster that uh, we faced is like uh, it's a it's like a lesson learned for us. We move from this, we see some things that we need to um, maybe we see some uh, things that we need to learn from it, then we take it to another level where to be prepared. Whenever we hear we are faced with another uh, disaster, then we need funds or we know where to. Stand. We know where to, uh, what to do. We know uh, how to think. Uh, uh, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, our count, our country, our nation. So we want to see the good uh, out from the disasters that we've been through. We want to see people uh, move from uh, one level to another level, like especially to do with health or to be resilient. Uh, uh, in their own respective ways. We have small businesses that need to move out from that the level they're in today. And uh, any decision makings that uh, uh, at one time were made by foreigners or other people from other places, maybe Nivans with the lesson learned from Cyclone Farm, Nivans can step up to do this. I am uh, I am glad to see, or I am uh, happy to see that uh, NDMO has taken another step forward this year. Uh, they have another, like the approach they have this year was uh, really good. Uh, even though we, we have our doors closed and we don't have uh, people coming in, and we see NIVANs going out there and to do assessments. We see uh, our leaders in the NDMO, they go out there to do assessments, and uh, they're assuring us that uh, we will try every Like all our best to uh, address this uh, situation in a safe way. Uh, Yeah, in a safe way since we uh, we are going through these two crises. So they are trying to figure out ways that are safe when events. So I am glad to see that uh, we are taking another step forward, but in our own way. But it's safe. If you like what you heard, please consider making a donation to the Friends of the Nation youth that continue to work with the communities on the ground in Santo and Pentecost in the northern islands of Vanuatu. Visit our donation page at www.melodesianwomentoday.org. Hello,
0: everyone, and welcome back to our second half of Conversation with Miss Joanna Bolle. In this second half of our conversation, we're going to discuss the concerns of families, young leaders during this rebuilding period after Tropical Cycling Herald and at the same time being saved during COVID-19 pandemic in Vanuatu. How do you prepare yourself to stay positive?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is a very challenging uh, uh, situation at the moment, like... uh, for me to be a uh, to be a role, uh, you know, I would say a role model, or to be someone uh, brave to be out there working with other people, even though I'm going through something, it it is a challenge for me. However, uh, staying positive is something that everyone needs to uh, like uh, to be in that uh, attitude. Yeah, mindset, like we need to stay positive at this time. Uh, Inspire people. If we go out there into the community, like in my community, I worked with, uh, even though uh, I go through this challenge, but whenever I step out into my community, I stay positive and I try to inspire people, like inspire them to be be positive in their current situation. Because I know that Cyclone Harold... And COVID-19, it's like, it's too much for everyone. Like they're worried about this COVID-19 spreading. And we don't have any case, but it's still, it is still a concern for us. And uh, tropical cyclone Harold has uh, um, affected our families. So for for me as a um, facilitator or someone who goes out there into the community, I stay positive and I inspire others. From the lesson from what I've learned. So staying positive is something that is very important for us now.
0: What are people most concerned about? COVID-19 or rebuilding after TC Herald?
1: Uh, Okay yeah yesterday I was talking to this uh, the same person that I talked about her experience yeah she was talking to me about the both at the same time like she worries about both like now we're starting to we will try to start from the scratch like to build but then we are worried about this COVID-19 if we have a case and they are talking about this uh all the supplies or relief supplies that we will be receiving in the coming days and uh they are worried that we will receive people coming in to support us so it's like two things uh they are um, trying to uh, both things are important to them to try to start to rebuild from the scratch. And at the same time, how will they they do this, but in a safe way? Because they don't have water, and they don't have uh, uh, light, and they don't have enough supplies. Supplies. And we have reliefs coming in. And they t- she told me that I am worried like we will start from the scratch to build, but are we safe? Like our hatching, I, our, we need water, water to continue to practice this hygiene. Yeah, to uh, the hand washing practice. Yeah, because uh, we never know if uh, we have a case, then it will spread like wildfire. It's just because of the situation that we are currently in now—the tropical cyclone. Uh,
0: What were some of your concerns as a community worker during the recent 14 days of quarantine, COVID-19, quarantine time?
1: Yeah, okay. These 14 days days of quarantine, I realized that uh, uh, as I I remember I went down to the town and I saw uh, people, I saw some high school girls working in the streets and for me, it's like uh, some of us are taking this seriously, and for some, they are not taking this seriously. So we still see people working in the working uh, in the streets, hugging themselves, holding hands, and that is one of the things that uh, I'm worried about. Like uh, this 14 days quarantine was supposed to be people uh, staying at at home, and another concern is that for those of us who stayed at home, uh, the kids that are sent back home. Uh, in terms of education, do they have a, a safe space to do, to, to do their work? Uh, are they, uh, parent, uh, are they uh, supportive enough, like the parents are supportive enough to uh, help them with their studies? And uh, not only, only that, but those who are um, vulnerable to violence, uh, we have women who go through abuse abuses are they saving their homes and do they have uh, like do, do they know where to go to if, go to if uh, they're going through some uh, uh, some of these uh, issues at home uh, do they know how to who to call to? are they brave enough to call the police? Uh, these are some of my concern uh, and uh, uh, for uh, yeah so uh, I am wondering if uh, we have enough information. Uh, that has that uh, has been passed on to uh, this uh, to families. So women or children or whoever that is uh, victim in their house knows where to go to or who to call to call to call uh, during this uh, fourteen days of uh, quarantine. So it's like it has its uh, negative uh, impact and also positive impact. The positive impact you can see families. Uh, Growing gardens. Families are uh, some of them. They are like they have the time uh, to stay at home and help their kids. Um, they spend quality times with their families. And one of my concerns as well was, was that uh, doing that 14 days of quarantine, uh, we have we still have these uh, uh, nakamals like uh, kafabas uh, opened. So uh, and uh, they told the uh, they, they told them that uh, you can go in and get your, I mean, take your uh, bottle. It's like a takeaway, yeah? So take it back and take it back and drink it at home. But then now I'm seeing this, that, okay, if they have this cover, uh, uh at home, then do they spend uh, time with their family or just sitting, you know, uh, you know sitting somewhere isolating themselves drinking their own cover and while the family oh, the whole mother and the children is doing all the um, things yes, yeah work so that is something that uh, that was that is something that um, that this is some of my concern like yeah it
0: how has COVID-19 and the dev- devastating effect of TC Herald made life more difficult for families and the younger population?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, again, I spoke to these uh, different numbers, different people uh, this past few days. And one thing that I realized that a uh, few of these children and especially mothers and children were traumatized because I, I I they told me that after the cyclone, they can't sleep at night at night when they're in bed, but they're still their minds are still alert. And um, some of them told me that they lost taste of uh, of food, they don't feel like eating, like they see all these uh, um, damages and all this yeah, they see all these damages and they have so much in their mind that uh, they are really really trying to get over it so and um she told me that this woman told me that uh, uh, she thought that this was just only her experience or what she's going through but then she realized that her daughter was also going through the same thing she can't sleep at night and uh, she's always alert and she has all these body pains and then I realized that this has really cost uh a lot of yeah, for the families. So this is something that uh, last night we were discussing with all the youths, uh, Friends of the Nation youths in in this chat group, and we are trying to figure out some ways we can help them through this. uh, uh.
0: What about families who have lost everything during TC Herald? Um, For instance, loss of job because of the COVID-19, as well as their houses, um, due to the devastation of, in belongings, uh, devastation of um, tropical cyclone here recently, uh, particularly those in the tourism industry. Have you spoken to anybody who um, either worked with the tourism industry that have lost their job and at the same time have lost everything during the cyclone?
1: Um, that, okay. I haven't spoken to anyone about this, especially for those in tourism industry, but I remember talking to this uh, labor officer and he told me that, uh, yeah, there are people who are, um, some of this, we have some mayvans who have uh, lost their jobs and uh, due to COVID-19 crisis and also some of these uh, people who are working with these tourism industries, they have uh, cut back to their working hours. Like So instead of working uh, Six, six hours a day maybe they cut down to three hours a day so it is a challenge for them for me i i definitely like i know that they are going through something for, for them to for their hours to be cut it's like that decrease of uh, uh salary or income a decrease of their income so this is uh this is going to be a challenge for them but uh, another uh, experience i remember talking to this uh, another lady about the disaster that they've uh, but like they lost everything, the house, everything they lost. Uh, but uh, they're not. They don't. Uh, the, the thing is, uh, the husband is still working, but except for the wife, uh, who is at home. But they lost the house and everything. So uh, what uh, uh, I was told is that uh, currently they don't feel like waiting for NDMO to do something. They don't want to wait. So they try, they're trying every pest to start from the scratch. So whatever iron roof they have now, uh, timbers that they found now, they're trying to, they want it to be, they want to build a temporary house out of it and then they can sleep. Like they told me that uh, for now, they're like uh, sleeping in other people's houses and they, they don't feel comfortable. So they want their own space. So... They told me that they can't wait for NDMO to because right now we are we are, it's the assessment week, so they are assessing everything on the ground before we start our response. Um, so they told me that they can't wait for NDMOs. So they they are trying to get whatever they have left and build. So there is some concern that I can identify or see on the ground.
0: How has the devastation of tropical cyclone Herald and COVID nineteen affected the lives of families financially, especially for those who have children in secondary schools and universities who are about to send the kids off again back to the, back to school. How has that affected them financially?
1: It is. It is. It will affect them. Uh, I. We were talking again. I was talking to uh, that same parent yesterday. And uh, she told me that uh, uh, because there's this rumor going around that uh, uh, schools should start on Tuesday, on the last. And she was really frustrated because she told me that uh, uh, we fly, like we pay for our our daughter's fare to Santo, and now she's in Santo with us because of this uh, 14 days quarantine. And also... Uh, someone they have like they told them that it will be a two months outside of school so they have school walks that are prepared for two months and now they are back home and now we have this tropical cyclone harold and they lost a lot of things during that uh, disaster i mean during during that uh, cyclone and um, now they want the kids back in school by the left hand so she was really frustrated yesterday as I was uh, to her and she told me that uh, where will we find the money again to pay for her school I mean pay for her fare and then uh, we tried to rebuild from we uh, build from the scratch and uh, this is a very like a short period of time for us to get our kids back to school and but anyway, today I saw another notice from uh, Malabo college which uh they told me that, i mean no, they uh posted on facebook that uh, the school should start on the 20 so it's like another um, a week so i'm praying and hoping that this week that one week is enough for parents to prepare for that because most of them like they lost a lot of things
0: who can parents reach out to if they um have concerns about their children, sending their children back to school, or for those who have lost everything during the cyclone and can't afford um, to send their children back, especially for families who are, fin- who are fin- finding it financially difficult, who can they reach out to?
1: Yeah. yeah, I I saw a lot of posts on Facebook yesterday. Like, there are over 20, over 20 to 50 parents complaining, so I'm sure um, the government should... Uh, uh, see that, and they should take, maybe try to uh, come up with another approach that it's uh, more beneficial. Yeah, like it's uh, more beneficial for both uh, parties, for parents and the school. Yeah, and uh, I think they can. I think they can call the. They can call the school and complain as well. So I'm sure maybe they will call them.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about what is happening on the ground in Vanuatu and the roles of young people and what they are doing to help rebuild the islands um, that have been badly damaged during TC Herald. What would you like to say to the young that young person who is listening and thinking about how can they help rebuild um, in their community or... Better yet, other communities communities around Vanuatu, a volunteer with an NGO where they live.
1: Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, for young people out there, uh, first of all, I would like to say that life is too short, so uh, uh, do not take life for granted. Appreciate others, appreciate your environment, appreciate life. Uh, live every day with uh, life with a thankful heart. Be grateful to your families and your parents, and. Um, if you want to help someone out there, we have all this vacancy coming out, and you think that you are capable enough to uh, go out into the field and support others, uh, take a step to apply, and uh, be brave and uh, be positive. That is a very important thing that we should, we as a young people should do now is uh, be positive and take uh, take responsibilities. So you don't have to wait for someone to uh, Come and help you, but it's you. Uh, you need to take a step out into your, out of your comfortable zone and start to help others around you. So enjoy life and be grateful at all times. Yeah.
0: Finally, before you before leaving us um, today, please share a little bit about your story of impact. How did you find your voice to make a difference? When uh, when did that start for you?
1: Okay uh to be honest i am a very uh very very shy person uh, i am very quiet i don't talk much but uh, uh, it came to a point of life uh in uh, 2010 i started to participate with this uh, uh youth, a group of uh, young people then uh, I, I am starting to realize the potential that i have in me and but i i am i slowly tried to figure things out until 2017. So 2017 was a stepping stone for me that I step out from my comfortable zone, which is the Malawash project that i inf- involved with. It has caused me, me to uh, step out from my comfortable zone. Um, from there, I realized that uh, I need to be confident. I need to stay positive because that project is a very challenging project that every day in life I whenever I'm like out there in the field, I know and I I expect a challenge. It's like every day we have a challenge. So uh, from there I'm starting to build a confidence in myself and I'm starting to one thing that I learned is that you need to understand the people, understand the frustration, understand the people around you before you make a decision. And uh, this is when uh, I'm I'm starting to see the potential that I have in me is to be patient, uh, to listen to others. And then you analyze the situation around you before you uh, try to approach that situation. So when you approach uh, that situation, approach it in a respectful way uh, and in their own culture, in their own context, uh, you don't don't go there with your own um, whatever the, Whatever plans that you have, no, you go out there, and listen before you make a decision. Because from there, it will benefit both party. Like you can see, it will. Um, let's say it will. Uh, we, we we don't we don't want them to be aggressive, but we want to reduce the whatever challenge or whatever situation that we have on the ground. So this is when I'm starting to learn that. I do have this potential in me. I do have the capacity to uh, be a good leader, uh, but I have to believe in myself. This is a very important thing. If you believe in yourself, then you can, you, know, you will be unbeatable. You can do whatever you can do, yeah.
0: So the lesson, lesson learned here today is for young listeners, um, having a passion to serve your community um, number two, have patience, of course, patience is a virtue, you, and be a good listener. Um, when you go into a community to work with people, make sure you take the time to listen to them before you um, share your ideas. It always helps. So thank you so much, Ms. Joanna Boulev, for being with us today and giving us some really good nuggets for our young listeners and those who are thinking about what they can be doing, um, be a role model in their community, and help rebuild, especially in areas of um, the islands in Vanuatu where the damage has been done. And um, last, but not least, let's not forget to keep washing our hands, um, sneeze into your elbows when we uh, when we sneeze, and please stay home if you don't feel well or catch a flu um, or go to the hospital, check in with your nearest clinic. Um, we should always be vigilant and be a good, resp- responsible citizens as we continue to practice social distancing, distancing in order to flatten the curve.
1: Thank you, Dr. Mero.
0: This podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org, that's all one word. Melanesia Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl and child in the respective communities in Melanesia leads a productive, healthy and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of life and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for listening.